Welcome to Ex Libris On Air and the stories behind the stories of today's literature and their authors. A presentation of Ex Libris Publishing, host Steve Jorgensen connects with a writer to share the vision and inspiration behind their works. Insightful, informative, and always entertaining, please welcome host Steve Jorgensen and this week's edition of Ex Libris On Air. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ex Libris Publishing line today. On the phone with us is John Wesley. He's written a new book called Shades of Winter, Reflections of Spring. Here's just a bit about it. It's a romantic story depicting two individuals coming to grips with their desires for true love, passion, and human fulfillment while struggling to maintain their ecclesiastical responsibilities to the church and their vows of marriage. John, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So we have got ourselves a romance novel on our hands. Give us a thumbnail kind of overview of uh, Shades of Winter, Reflections of Spring. Uh, Well, Shades of Winter is a morally puzzling romance that tugs on the heart of the reader in ways that they have never, I think, experienced before. It covers the gray areas of emotion and also the code of, of conduct and the code of honor um, while trying to fulfill their life's passion of true love and, and, and commitment. So you kind of followed this kind of a group of four or five people there, almost almost for an entire generation from their youth, at least for some of your characters, all the way up until marriage and childbirth. And you intertwine the church and a lot of different things in, in your novel. Yes, yes. It was, um, it was an exploration in how um, even though a person can be in the church and devote their life to the church, they're still human beings. And there are times when faced with difficult questions on how they should pursue their life, um, sometimes there's those great areas that come up that's not quite clear. Um, you know what you want, you know what you want to experience in life, but those great areas come up that causes you to question um, the whole foundation of your life. And I tried to explore that in the shades of winter. It um, created that opportunity through the characters to express the emotion of seeking to do what is right, but also trying to fulfill your desires for life itself. But sometimes they're in conflict. Hmm. A lot of times in real life, it turns out that way, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. I, I agree. And um, the story starts off kind of simple with um, the ideas of right and wrong, and um, and the minister Hezekiah's uh, a desire to do what is right um, after he did things that were wrong. So it's pretty much black and white at that point, but as time goes on, the lines become blur, blurred, and um, it's not so easily defined. And he, the, the story explores that. And I think he finally, at the end, um, satisfied his heart as well as his soul. 
So, John, in your in some of the material I was reading about you and your book, you you said you wanted to show the growth of a group of people during a time when the nation was going through some growing pains in the '60s and uh, '70s, and you mentioned that a couple of times. You grew up in Detroit in the '60s and '70s. Did that play a role in in why you decided to pick that time period uh, for Shades of Winter? They never really thought about it that way, but I guess they did. It, um, as a child going up to the 60s, I was pretty young through a lot of the turbulent things that went on during that decade. So as an adult, it was my way of looking back on those childhood experiences and um, giving them meaning, um, turning what was um, just things that I heard into um, things that the characters experienced for themselves. So yeah, it was a growing process. This was a maturity, actually, for my uh, my experiences growing up in Detroit in the sixties and the seventies. So yeah, it was, a, it was an exploration of that. Now, your background is not necessarily in in writing or or English. You you were a funeral director for over fifteen years. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I. Um, I was a funeral director for a well-known firm um, here in Washington, and I had an opportunity to see the other side of life. It also gave me an opportunity to be able to identify with people and to help people during the worst period in their lives, um, you know, to help them to see, to help them see their way through that experience of losing someone dear to them and also it gave me an opportunity to to listen to the life stories of a wide range of of people and their different experiences all from all over the world it was uh, quite a learning experience for me Um, it's something that I will never forget and I learned a lot about human nature, and one thing uh, the funeral business taught me is that as human beings, we need and we must uh, value relationships, um, because you never know. A hello today could be a, a goodbye tonight permanently, um, so that's why I value every relationship, and never be afraid to say I love you, and never be afraid to say I'm sorry. Wow. You... Never be... Never be too big to to forgive. Yeah, I, I guess you saw that time and time again in that particular profession. Yes, yes. There's a lot of um, a lot of conflicts in families, and um, it gets to the point where the hatred goes so far that it comes to the point where it's too late to say I'm sorry. Now, when did you start writing, John? I know you, you told me you have seven other books, some of them published, some of them not. When when did you s- start writing almost as a profession? Um, I started writing back um, in the late 70s, um, early 80s. So I have a lot of stories that I've already, I've already penned that I have not published yet. Um, I guess I've always been a, a writer by nature. I, I, I just love to... Um, I have a secret way of writing. Um, if I can come up with a title to a story, um, that title lays the foundation for the entire story. 
and I use the characters as conduits to express the emotion that the title brings out in me. It's kind of a strange process. But if I can think of a good title, then I can I can write the story. So, like give, shade, yeah, I was just about uh, to ask. So, shades of winter, reflections of spring. What what is in that title? Well, the title sprang from a phrase that came to my mind. Um, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was talking to a friend of mine, um, and I, 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 I this phrase came to mind. Um, he was captivated by the beauty of her silhouette. For so long he had lived in the shades of winter, suddenly, over the horizon, he could see love in the reflection of the spring. And from that, I got shades of winter, reflections of spring. <laughs> the book, wow, what a story. So what is your inspiration, John? What do you use to inspire you to, to pin these stories? Well, um, like I said, what inspires me is the emotion. Um, a lot of I don't know a lot of writers may uh, pick on a character and um, build their stories from that. But me, I build my stories from, like I said, the title and from the emotion the title creates in me. And then the characters and the circumstances and the time all flows from that. Um, like I, I wrote a story, um, well, not a story, but actually an autobiography called um, Human Mind in a Storm of Thought. And that I, that is published. Um, and from that title, I was able to pull out the emotions of my childhood and some of the things I did in my life to, um, you know, just to enhance um, those experiences of my childhood. It, it sprang from that title. So one other thing I noticed about your background, you were really involved in martial arts. Did, tell us a little bit about that, and did that have any role at all in, in this new book? Martial art, what that taught me is, um, is discipline. And it takes discipline to um, create an idea, and it takes discipline to fulfill that idea to the conclusion. And um, everybody has a story in them. I think everybody has the ability to write a, a story, but it takes the discipline to complete it. You know, a lot of times we start things and, you know, we put it on the back burner, and the next thing we know it's forgotten. And again, we are talking with John Wesley Anderson today, the author of Shades of Winter, Reflections of Spring here on the Ex Libris line. Now, John, I'm just going to guess that this uh, book, your book, is primarily primarily for women, isn't it? Um, well, I tried to write the story in a way that it would um, entice women so wouldn't chase men away. Um, I think it's... Um, it's a story that both sexes can identify with because it, it looks at things from both sides. Um, so I guess it's the first and second act of a two-act drama. Um, it's, it's for both. So obviously, uh, John, this is a, is a fiction, but is there any particular theme, any particular idea that you're hoping uh, folks will walk away with once they once they finish Shades of Winter Reflections of Spring? Yeah, that everything is not black and white um, in life. 
there are gray areas that to be that they have we have to learn to explore um not to go through life with blinders on and you know people are people and we all make mistakes that's why they put rubber on the end of pencils <laughs> so um you know take that forward this work that we all make mistakes there's nobody nobody's perfect there's no perfect people. I don't care what your status in life is. So, John, speaking of that, with a eraser on the end of your pencil, you've written several books um, already. Does it ever get any easier? What was the most difficult thing for you about writing uh, Shades of Winter, Reflections of Spring? Uh, the most difficult thing was um, you have to have drama in, in stories to help move the plot along, and uh, you have to have antagonists, too. Sometimes the antagonist has, it could be a circumstance, and it's just that some of the characters, well, all the characters, actually, I became very close to, and some of the their experiences or the things they have to face, um, you know, was pretty devastating to me because I created these characters and some of the, the mayhem they had to, to face is just kind of heart-wrenching. <laughs> you know, the but, characters, you build them up in the story and you and some of the things that happened to them. Man. Yeah, they become they like, do they become like family to you? Yes, and sometimes their demise is, is hurtful, but sometimes it's necessary to move the story along. Hmm. Again, joining us today on the Ex Libris line has been John Wesley Anderson, Jr. The name of his book is Shades of Winter, Reflections of Spring. John, where where do we go about finding uh, a copy of Shades of Winter, Reflections of Spring? Um, I have a website. It's www.johnwesleya.com. Um you can get the, the the book there, or you can get it from Ex Libris, or you can order it through Amazon.com or um, Barnes & Noble. Again, that website, uh, John just mentioned, John, that's J-O-H-N, Wesley, W-E-S-L-E-Y-A. That's your first and middle name and the your last initial, John Wesley A. Dot com. So, uh, John... Thank you so much for being with us on the Ex Libris line today, and good luck with Shades of Winter, Reflections of Spring. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix.
Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ex Libris radio line today. I'm Clint Yates. Stranger danger, bullying, obesity. It's headlines that are seen all across the world today when we're talking really about our children. Today on the Ex Libris line is Lakshan Chaturi. She is the author of a new book called The Tale of Brave Ritchie. Be aware of strangers, beat the bullies, and exercise changes health. And she joins us today on the Ex Libris line from her home in Australia. Hello, Lakshan. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing terrific. Thank you for ask, Thank you for asking. Oh, now. oh yes. Now, you have really tried to tackle three really big issues in one book. Tell us a little bit of how you do that in The Tale of Brave Ritchie. The Tale of Brave Ritchie, it came about, there are incidents. This last 10 years ago, a boy was kidnapped and kidnapped from a public eye in a, at the bus stop. And that hit me hard. And I thought, to educate our young children by not demanding, but by through stories to remind them the risks of life so that they be aware of strangers and dangers. Now, you picked stranger danger, uh, Lakshan, but you also picked bullying, and you, and you picked the issue of obesity. Why those other topics? Do you feel those are really important for our children today? So being a school teacher myself, being retired, I have a great passion for children's welfare. And in Australia, bullying is at a rampage. Schools, radio, everywhere, they, and on television, they're all calling out, oh, stop bullying, stop bullying. And, but there's no actual proper program that is in the schools. Despite all that, there's so much happening. So I took that, my research issues, very passionate to my heart, and it made me think to educate our young children. This is the way to put down in words. Word has power. That's what I believed. So tell us a little bit about Brave Richie. He's your, obviously, he's your big main character in uh, this book. I love the character. I lived with the character. I live in a slightly out of time, out of um, urban area city, and I am surrounded by beautiful forest and safety and all that. And I love nature and I want to I wanted children to have a character that they will associate with. Most children love animals, pets, and I chose Richie as my hero. And Richie is a what sorry? And Richie is a what? Richie is the character that I wanted to choose. Right. Now, what kind of animal is Richie? Is he a rat? Is that what he's portrayed as in your book? It is a rat. Mm-hmm. He is the weakest rat at school. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he has a, car- 
charisma. He has the strength to withstand all around with power and anger. He has the intelligence to prove that we can beat bullies. Now, Brave Richie is uh, the tale of Brave Richie. Your book, Lakshan, is is fully illustrated, right? Yes, it is. It is beautifully illustrated. Why do you think that's important for a children's book? Why are the illustrations? I know you've already said that words are quite yes. powerful. Why is illustration important to go along with that? Uh, it, it really gets gives people, uh, the children, really see with a vision what the real things can be. And it attracts, it draws attention. Children love colors, and that draws attention. And that, I believe, that would make them absorb whatever they read and they watch, it will absorb. You have spent much of your life in education. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, um, I am of Indian origin. My father was an immigrant to Fiji Island, and I am immigrant from my education. I completed teacher's uh, education in Fiji, and I migrated to Australia in 1970. And best time of my life I spent in Australia as a teacher, studying, working, and helping my ex-husband. So, with all this hard work, it I have been rewarded with the gift that I can give back to the school community. And while I was in teaching Korea, just on my retirement, a tragic happened. A 19-year-old boy, under the influence of drugs, I was arm held up and shot. So, it, that my life would have come to an end, but I survived the ordeal. I had two minutes to live, but I survived the ordeal. And now, when I got better, my family supported me. They knew I wanted more in life than just sitting and doing nothing. So that brought me to do study again. So I took children's writing with the university, uh, with the College of Journalism, Sydney, Australia. So, and I always wanted to write. I wrote a lot of play scripts for school children for the end of the year uh, production. That was at my heart, and I thoroughly enjoyed. And that gave them a lot of self-esteem, drama and play. I gave them a lot of self-esteem. And I've never detached myself from children. Up till today, I have a lot of time for young ones. They are our future. So that still is with me, and I persevere. Persevere to give the best to the community, because uh, at the end of the day, community service I cannot do because my... In a, 
what they call um, emotional strength is not very powerful because of the tragedy. So that had been my life. Again, the title of the book we're talking about today is The Tale of Brave Richie. Be aware of strangers, beat the bullies, and exercise changes health. It's written by Lakshan. I have, oh, Richard hates the children on a journey of physical fitness. Now our children, presently our children, are in a health crisis. In Australia and in America, what I see, a large proportion of young children are obese. And none of them are attempting to get out of that. So giving them some moral code in life, which Richie gives, let us try, let us work together to change our health. And that I chose. I chose to have Richie write through the three books. Do you think... Do you think, Lakshan, that they that this your book uh, about Brave Richie may uh, be used or could be used in schools to help teach children in the classroom? Yes, they could be very well used in classroom. In Australia, I have sold a lot to the teachers, but presently there is a lot of regulations to go to school to promote this book. Uh, apparently, uh, these days, because of stranger danger and because of uh, uh, risk to parents, which we did not experience 20 years ago, and so it makes it difficult to get through to the schools to promote this book. And... Um, those who have bought, they are very happy that children are enjoying every bit of it. And I'm sure if schools have this book, it will work. It will work. Richie will show them the direction. And for the early start, this book is tremendously of benefit. As a teacher with experience of 45 years, I can assure you that. I started teaching from 1952, ended up in 1997. So I believe this book has the power to educate our young, our really junior readers. So Lakshan, what was, what for you being an educator, uh what was the most difficult thing for you to write a book about something like bullying and stranger danger? What was what was the most difficult thing for you? Most difficult part I found uh, is going. Uh, it, it was not as difficult to interview parents. It was quite simple and. A lot of people came to me when I said that children is bullied, that children are being bullied. But the most difficult part is to 
I'm a professional writer, I'm not a salesperson. As a result, that was the hardest thing, that is the hardest thing for me. But writing about that is, was completely on the card because it was on television, it was on interviews, and it was on papers, in papers. So we have the tale of Brave Richie now. Are there any plans for any uh, new books in the future? <laughs> A very good question. I have just finished one, which Exlibris has uh, about to put out. <laughs> that book is very quirky, funny, and it, there will be three books in a, series, in a series of three books, and it's on dental hygiene. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fiction, but dental hygiene. <laughs> so is it a children's book too? Yeah, it is children's book. Yeah. Uh, a great uh, an, an age of uh, six to uh, nine. <laughs> I I love I love the funny quirky characters. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, the uh, book we're talking about today is The Tale of Brave Richie, Be Aware of Strangers, Beat the Bullies, and Exercise Changes in Health. It is written by Lakshan Chaturi. Yes. She is on the phone with us today on the Ex Libris line. Uh, Lakshan, tell us where we can find The Tale of Brave Richie. Uh, the Tale of Brave Richie is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And Ex Libris themselves have on their website. And I have on my website. What What is your website, Lakshan? Do you have the address to that? www.wix.lakshanchaturi.com Okay. Well, that's where you can find I, the... I have to look at my card so that I don't <laughs> make a mistake. <laughs> well, just... I apologize for that. Yeah, well, just Google... Brave Richie or Lakshan, which is L-A-K-S-H-A-N, Chaturi, and I'm sure you can find it out there. If you went on Lakshan Chaturi, uh, you will uh, get it on the website. All right. Well, well, thank you being uh, for being with us uh, so much today, Lakshan, and good luck to you, and good luck to Brave Richie. Uh, thank you very much. I highly appreciate it. It says www.lchaturi.weeks.com. Dot com. All right. Bright All right. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I much appreciate. Ex Libris returns after these short messages. Join us for Self-Age Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. 
we can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Ex Libris with your host, Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Married Lives, a story of anorexia nervosa plus bipolar disorder. And the author is Mary Brooks, and Mary joins us now on Ex Libris On Air. Hello, Mary. Hello, how are you? Great to have you with us all the way from Australia. This story is your story, as you put it, honest, revealing account of your lifelong battle with anorexia nervosa, along with bipolar disorder, but in this case, it ends in happiness and hope, and that's basically why you've written the book. You want to give other people hope. I do. Um, Anorexia especially is, if it's caught early, there's quite a a good chance of it being cured early but if the longer it goes on the harder it is and I guess I wanted to reassure people that it's never too late to get some help and that there is hope that they will recover and that's why that's one of the reasons why I've written the book. Why is there so much guilt associated with these maladies that have you know just are inflicted upon people why why the personal guilt? Well um, I'm 63 now, and when I, in the 60s, the main attitude towards anorexia was that it was silly little girls who were behaving very selfishly and stupidly by eating, well, not eating, um, and refusing to eat. And I guess I grew up at that time where the attitude was quite, you know, condemnatory and. I've absorbed that sort of um, feeling myself and it took a long time before I had any inclination to believe that it was not my fault, that it was something that happens to other people as well and that um, it's a combination sort of of genetic and genetic um causes and also your own sort of predisposition, your psychological makeup that makes it all come together and I suppose if I was talking to somebody else I would say there's no need to feel guilty for this but I'm just saying that for myself in the years that I grew up that was the attitude that I absorbed. Like most children, you grew up in a normal setting. Uh, you felt normal. Uh, what happened? When did things change? And is there any way to understand why things changed? Um, things changed when I was 12. And I think that most people entering adolescence start trying to make a meaning of life for themselves and to distance themselves from their parents' beliefs. And my way of doing that was to reject my family and to reject especially the love that my parents showed me through through food. And in our family, there was quite a, um, 
an association between giving love and giving food and so I rebelled in that sense. Um, I also became very depressed around that time. Um, I was very religious and my ideas were that I could never be good enough for my God at that stage and I tried very, very hard to be as good and perfect as I could and so around that time I guess everything was just the right setting for the development of these two problems. Now you call it chaotic, desperate storm. That's what you felt you were in, this violent storm. I did feel that. I um, had part of me um, pulling to be perfect and then another part of me feeling guilty and evil um, and wanting to live and wanting to die at the same time. Um, feeling depressed, which I didn't know the word for this. I just knew that life itself was um, a dreadful effort and maybe not as not something I wanted and all of this together I'm describing as a chaotic storm Do these two things usually uh, go together anorexia, nervosa and bipolar disorder or are they separate or do they usually just uh, always happen together They're separate conditions and they don't always happen together but I have come across quite a um, a number of people with both problems um, I, I know several personally and then on the internet I've been on some of the anorexia sites and asked people if they had bipolar as well and then I've been on the bipolar sites and asked people if they had anorexia as well and found that there was quite a, a percentage of people that had both problems but it, it's not usual or necessary for them both to occur together. So how would you describe the red flags for others to see that in their children? What are the red flags? Um, if, uh, if For the anorexia itself, um, it may present as weight loss. Um, it can be changes in a girl's menstrual cycle. Um, and it can just be warning signs like preoccupation with food or their body shape and their weight, dissatisfaction with their body, um, distorted way of looking at themselves, like complaining of feeling on looking fat when they're not, um, being very sensitive to other people's comments or criticism. Uh, being excessively interested in exercise, um, anxiety around meal times or having to eat with other people, and then depression and low self-esteem can come on as part of the anorexia. So they're all sort of warning signs about the anorexia itself. As far as the bipolar, um, most people with bipolar disorder are not diagnosed initially. They they may have episodes of depression, which isn't 
identified as bipolar disorder until it actually had a period of um, mania or hypomania um, and then that sort of clicks that this is not a what's called a unipolar depression a depression with just the um, lows that it is a bipolar depression with, with highs and lows so quite often depression on its own occurs for a long time or for several times before the diagnosis is made. When did you realize that you needed help or were those around you that knew you needed help? Uh, you know, how did that all come about? I didn't think I deserved help. I didn't know the word anorexia. I didn't know what depression was. I just knew that I identified with a lot of um, authors and and um, poets who had written about depression and I felt the same sort of negativity and helplessness as they were writing about but I didn't understand that there was a condition called depression and I didn't I had never heard of anorexia until I was about 18 and at that stage a friend of mine who was a doctor sent me to see an endocrinologist because she thought I might have had thyroid problems and that was when the diagnosis of anorexia was made but even then I was very resentful to receiving help because I didn't think I deserved it at that stage. When did you finally take help, were willing to uh, get help? Um, I think I was forced into it by um, having made a suicide attempt and finding myself in a psychiatric hospital. And at first I was very angry and and as time went on, um, it was definitely quite a an unpleasant battle with medication and with and with separation from my family by being in hospital and receiving help wasn't something that I did voluntarily at that stage. Um, one of the big changes in my life was when my children were born. It was quite a miracle they were born anyway, having had anorexia for so long. But I, I really do feel blessed to have had my children and that was the biggest um, the biggest incentive for me to seek help and to get well. What would you say, what treatment is the most helpful? Um, for myself, I didn't have any treatment for a long time, so I'm not speaking for myself, but I think that for young um young pre-adolescent um, children and for young adolescents, family therapy is proving to be the best treatment for anorexia and um, there are different, different ideas about treatment for older people and some of it is based around um, diet, dietitians and psychologists there is some inpatient therapy that's helpful and necessary for some very ill people but I think there's no no definite 
um, decision that any one treatment is supreme at this stage. That's for the anorexia. Mm. Is anorexia, can that be cured? Um, I didn't think so, but I do now. <laughs> and as I say, if it's caught early, I think, yes, it can be cured. So as you look at your life right now, can you live a normal life now? Put this all behind you? Is that possible? I can, but I've got to be vigilant. Like, um, I do take medication for the bipolar disorder, and I do see a psychologist and a psychiatrist at, at intervals. And when I say be vigilant, I try and make sure I'm not, I never get too stressed or too tired. Um, as far as the anorexia goes, um, I still have some idiosyncrasies about food, but in general, um, I'm freed from any of the severe thoughts and behaviours that I ever had when I was a lot younger. Seeing a psychologist or psychiatrist, very important. Is that an important part of your life to stay on top of this and and you would recommend that as well? Yes, I would. Why is I think that? it's very important, yeah. Why is that so important? Um, because for the bipolar disorder, I'm on medication, which I need to have prescribed for me, and it's been stable for quite some years, and the condition itself is stable, so I need somebody to bounce ideas back and forward and sort of say, you know, can I lower or increase this one or, you know, someone to tell me what to do as far as the medication goes and somebody who might point out to me if I'm starting to get overwhelmed by life, if they, if they feel that I really need to back off um, some of the responsibilities I'm taking on at any stage or if I need to get my sleep pattern better you know, sort of sometimes it's a person outside of myself that needs to tell me these things. And, of course, you're a very, very busy woman, not only as a mother and a wife. Here you are as a family practitioner, a doctor, which is remarkable. Yes. Most of my my studying years at university, I was not at all well. And to have passed through my exams was quite a miracle I think and then as the years have gone by I think my own experiences actually allowed me to be a better doctor because I have a lot more compassion and understanding um, of other people's problems and in general I think I'm a, I'm a good listener and a, a helpful um advisor in many situations and I think a lot of that's come from my own experience. You're also publishing a book of short stories. What will the stories be about? Um, there's several books now and they're, they're stories based on life itself um, about things that I see that interest me about um, particular people that I um, I find that their lives are very interesting to me um, and I feel that, that different things would interest other people as well. Some, some of them are happy things, some of them are a bit sad but 
in general, most most of them are just interesting, and I feel that the short stories are a good way of um, conveying things like this, and that it's an easy thing for people to read. They can just pick up and read a story and have a think about it, but they don't have to spend hours as they would getting through a novel. And it's just the preferred method of writing that I've come across. You know, I find it for myself um, a good way of writing. What's the title of these short stories? What's the title of the book? Um, one of them is called Cricket and Other Short Stories. Another one's called Water Lilies. And one's called The Wedding. And then there's two more coming up. One will be called Photos and one will be called Walking. And that each of those is the name of one of the stories in the book. Um, so it's sort of like cricket and other short stories and the wedding and other short stories. So that that's the way that the titles have been chosen, just on the basis of one of the stories inside the book. We've been talking with Mary Brooks. She is the author of her book, Mary Lives, a story of anorexia nervosa plus bipolar disorder. Mary, uh, what's the best way to get your book? Um, Ex Libris website. Uh, There will be different stockers bookshops that carry it as well, Um, and some of the other online um, bookstores also carry it, like Barnes & Noble and Amazon. But I think if they go to the Express website, they'll be able to get all the books that way. Well, a great story, a true story of hope and happiness in spite of all the struggles through the years. But here you are and and, uh, providing uh, this view that there is hope in spite of all these challenges. So thank you so much, Murray, for joining us on Ex Libris On Air. Thank you. Join Steve Jorgensen next week at the same time as he explores the passion and the inspiration behind the works of today's authors. Right here on Ex Libris On Air.